Hey there, community, and welcome to the Providence Podcast. I'm Sister Leslie, and I'm so glad you're here. As always, we have many things going on at Godspace. We will be offering a little bit of summer service. So if you're interested, check out our website under the Providence Project. It's coming up soon, though, so it's kind of the last call for that. But let us know if you're interested. Also, this summer, partly because of the service trip down to Alabama, we'll be doing a little podcast hiatus. We'll probably have just a couple more episodes before that hiatus, so I guess enjoy us while we're here. (laughs) As always, thank you for staying in conversation. Thanks for your thoughts, your feedback, your own reflections on these readings. Uh, I really appreciate the conversation. And so now we'll begin with our scripture reading for this Sunday, the Feast of the Ascension, and then do some reflecting from there. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. In the first book, Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught until the day he was taken up, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them by many proofs after he had suffered appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While meeting with them, he enjoined them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of God about which you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When they had gathered together, they asked him, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He answered them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that God has established by God's own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him from their sight. While they were looking intently at the sky as he was going, suddenly two men in white garments stood beside them. They said, People of Galilee, why are you standing there looking at the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will return in the same way as you have seen him going into heaven. The Word of the Lord. Happy Feast of the Ascension. Honestly, I always struggle a little bit with this feast. It feels like such a goodbye. 
And this year especially, I've been thinking even more about it through the lens of loss. There just is so much loss these days. It's hard for me to not project it onto this feast. Then again, maybe there's a call here to allow God to speak to me through this feast. So that's what I'll try to do. The other day, I listened to an NPR podcast about loss and ways to cope with it. And while I listened to the podcast, I was driving to a funeral for a former student who had just died of cancer. Dana was only 30. She was married to a beautiful man who loved her, and they have a beautiful five-year-old daughter. Hers is a heartbreaking loss for them, for all who know her. And it stirs up questions about life and death and suffering and the why of it all. This week, we all watched the horrific news unfold from Uvalde, Texas. Knowing that children were gunned down and harmed while other children were traumatized is just too much to take in. Witnessing the anguish of their parents and their loved ones is so deeply heartbreaking. I mean, there are no words of explanation or fixing it, or, God forbid, cheering up, but just lots and lots of intense feelings. And this, too, invites the why questions. Why did this happen? Why would someone do something so awful? Why does this keep happening? There's so much loss and trauma layer upon layer upon layer of trauma. I don't have any answers to why. I only have questions and a lot of tears and a kind of clutching sensation in my chest. Where is God in all of this? And here we are on Ascension Sunday watching Jesus wave goodbye. In the gospel, we get a little more by way of conversation from Jesus. He reminds his disciples that it was written that he would suffer and die, and also that he would rise from the dead, and his message would continue. He reminds them that they have been witnesses of these things. They have been witnesses to all of it the suffering, and the glory. They witnessed betrayal, violence, confusion, and the execution of an innocent life. They witnessed the impossibility of Christ rising from the dead. They witnessed the risen Christ popping up all over the place, into locked rooms, on the seashore, along the road. He shows up with his wounds. He breathes peace upon them. He asks for something to eat. He breaks bread. They are witnesses of these things, and they are bearers of these things. 
They perceive it all, take it in, and begin to proclaim the message of Christ. They become the presence of Christ. Maybe that's why Christ must ascend. He needs to get out of the way so that his followers can be present in the world and so that they can grow into leaders. And they do. They receive the Holy Spirit and bam, they're on fire. They ignite and light a fire under others too. And the community grows and the mission grows. I almost always overlook the second reading on this feast. I mean, after all, there's a lot happening in the first reading in the gospel, what with Jesus ascending and all. This year, though, it caught my attention, probably because I need it so much. It's a kind of blessing for the followers of Jesus, including us. It says, May the God of Jesus Christ give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation resulting in knowledge of Christ. May the eyes of your hearts be enlightened that you may know what is the hope that belongs to Christ's call. More than ever, I need to know, to know the hope that belongs to this call. It's very hard to find hope anywhere else these days. I have to find it in God's call. Part of what this feast shows us is that revelation of Christ in the world, even amidst all of this sorrow, is up to us. That may seem like a humanistic approach, but I think it's really incarnational. The reality is that the presence of Christ crucified and risen is within each one of us. That's where God is in all of this. Not waving goodbye from above, but generating hope from within us. What do we do with that? And what even is hope? We know it's a Christian virtue, a gift from God. It's also something that can be learned and cultivated and practiced. I learned that in Brene Brown's latest book, Atlas of the Heart. She also writes, Hope is a function of struggle. Hope is a function of struggle. We develop hope not during the easy times, but through adversity and discomfort. Just reading that gives me hope, really. I mean, the hard things in life could break me, or they could actually build hope within me. I think the first disciples would concur. In all that they went through, even though it was awful, they remained hopeful, especially in light of the resurrection. They were emboldened and uplifted and enlivened by the Holy Spirit, too. As are we. Also, the disciples did not keep that hope and call to mission to themselves. 
They allowed all that they witnessed, the power of the gospel, the movement of the spirit to spur them into action. And I hear an invitation in that. There are some things in life that I can't control, but there are sometimes actions I can take. I can pray for families in their grief and suffering, and I can also work to make schools safer. Another thing that Brene Brown says about hope is that to experience it, we must have three things. Realistic goals, ways to achieve these goals, and agency, agency, actions we can take. There are some things we can do to affect change. And I suspect that if we do them, we'll feel more hopeful and empowered. And there are organizations, particularly in this case with the shooting, that are already doing this work that we can link into, that we can support And doing that can bring actual change. I hope so. I do. I do feel a sense of hope in that. Of course, there are times when we don't have any agency. There are situations when we are, in fact, powerless. I'm thinking again of Dana, such a faithful young woman. I wish I could do more than just pray for her family and cry my own tears. There are some hard things that we just can't change. And I guess that's life. However, in honoring her and remembering how many people knew and loved her, I'm bearing witness to her life. A short life but one well-lived. Knowing that helps me to feel like I've borne witness to both joy and suffering, like the disciples of Jesus. Dana taught me a lot about how to do that. She had struggled with health issues for most of her life, even from childhood. And even as an undergraduate student, which is when I knew her, She had a depth and a maturity about herself, probably because of her struggles. She showed me that you can hold both pain and joy at the same time. She showed me that there's a lot in life to be grateful for, even when things are very hard. Hers was a genuine gratitude, too, not some pithy kind of spiritual bypassing, but a real gratitude for the things that she loved. She was genuinely grateful, particularly for the people in her life. And I think that's wisdom for our time as well. Life can be astonishingly unfair and excruciatingly painful sometimes, but it can also be full of joy and wonder. We bear witness to it all, both suffering and joy, like Dana did, like Jesus did, like the first disciples did. 
We are witnesses of these things. We know that hope belongs to God's call. Together, may we be empowered to proclaim that hope to the world. Amen. And now let's continue our reflection. Have you ever held both joy and suffering at the same time? What was that like? How do you find hope in God's call? How do you witness both joy and suffering? And how are you Christ's presence in the world? How is God calling you to respond to what's happening in the world and in your own life right now? Thanks for listening to the Providence Podcast. I hope you continue to connect with God's space and, of course, the Sisters of Divine Providence of Kentucky. As you enter this week, may you notice all the ways that God cares for you. And may we all take good care of each other. Peace.